good uh, good morning it's uh, I think it's the 29th of December hell I don't even know what day it is hardly um, I think it's Wednesday Wednesday the 29th of December and uh, we got a little bit of rain this morning uh, very blessed to have that little drizzle rain wasn't much at all but but we did get a little bit of rain and it's been pretty dry in North Texas the last month so six weeks maybe so i'm pretty grateful for that rain i'm going to talk this morning a little bit about uh the horses that i had that i remembered growing up you know so all all these cowboys got stories of horses that made them who they are and all this and that and some of these some of these horses you know the horse has always been what my life revolved around and that's one thing that I have never ever ever regretted so I kind of have a little saying that I say I say don't ever let somebody tell you how to feel and I had a lot of people tell me that I was one track minded my parents in particular I, I love my parents please don't get me wrong on these podcasts I love my parents but sometimes we're not going to be exactly like our parents so it's okay to say, hey, I'm going to take a little different path. So long as that path does not involve sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you'll probably be okay. Um, nothing against rock and roll. It just seems that whoever gets involved in that too heavily ends up unhappy. So, so uh, I shouldn't say unhappy. I should say unjoyful. There's a huge difference between joy and happiness happiness is result reliant for example if you if you enter the cutting let's talk about let's use cutting for example because that's one thing i know a tiny bit about if you enter the cutting and you say if i win i will be happy you're probably setting yourself up for extreme unhappiness because you're not going to win every time it's just not that easy nobody wins every single time uh one person that is a machine that i really love to watch train horses and work horses and show horses is Matt Gaines. Obviously he's one of the icons and one of the most legendary cutters there's ever been. And the guy's a, a chiseled machine. I mean, and I would bet you money if you just sat down with, with Matt Gaines and you said, Matt Gaines, we've all seen everything you want. We've all loved to watch you go do that he's an 800 pound gorilla in the sport of cutting let's talk about what you've lost he would tell you there ain't enough hours in the day because he knows as good as he is i'm not calling him a loser by any means he's you know he's only won eight million dollars maybe he'll get the hang of it one day i don't know he seems to be trying to understand the sport but uh it's supposed to be a joke uh you know, Matt Matt has lost a lot because that's what you have to do. That's how you learn is by losing. You don't learn by winning. So, um, don't... Joy, though, joy is a different thing. I got just a tick sidetracked there. Joy is a, different, is a different thing. You need to find joy in the journey. If you don't like working your freaking ass off, dawn to dark, being covered in 
mud and dirt and we're not gonna use blood sweat and tears because I'm so sick and tired of that bullshit you sons of bitches ain't got a clue what blood sweat and tears is them boys digging trenches in World War One and World War Two, they knew what blood sweat and tears was them boys marching through the jungle in Vietnam they knew what blood sweat and tears were you pampered ass chicken shits today and I'm gonna be just a little bit more real on this you don't have a clue what blood sweat and tears are you live in the richest greatest most wonderful country in the world you don't have a damn clue what blood sweat and tears are okay so let's just say if you don't want to be wear simple clothes go to the barn every day and work your ass off 16 hours a day you're probably not world champion material if you think that the, the horse world whether you be a barrel racer, a cutter, a cow horse guy, a roper, whatever. If you think that any of that is about wearing starch pants and starch shirts every day and pulling bloomer trailers and just pulling into Will Rogers and kicking their ass, you are very, very misled. And if that's all you want to do, this is not for you. If you think that vacations, having dinner every other night with friends, hanging out, getting done at 3 o'clock every day and then go sit on your ass, if you think that's how it is, you will not be able to progress to the ranks of the elite. You have to be willing to pay that price. And I'm not one of those elite. I am not a million dollar Hall of Famer. I am not a million dollar rider. Uh, I've had some luck. I've had some success. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. That's not the purpose of this point. The purpose of this, this, this uh, podcast is to hopefully inspire somebody that you can have whatever you want to have so long as you're willing to go work for it. So if you're willing to find the joy in the journey, for example, my good friend Mike Giannini, uh, saw him work a wild-haired cat one time of Audrey O'Keefe. Really, really, really nice mare. And I said that Mike had a good run on that mare one day. And I said, uh, she was four. And I said, Mike, that mare of Audra's looked really, really good today. And he said, yeah, she did. He said, she felt good. He says, give her another year and she'll be stronger. Just just give her another year. She'll, she'll come into it. So basically, he's telling you by the time she's five, she's really going to be good. And he has the patience as a horse trainer, as a horseman, a true horseman, is Mike Giannini. He's a great hand. And... Uh, I don't think Mike's a Hall of Famer yet, but he'll get there. He's he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He he's 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 very good. Done it all in the Northwest. Uh, he's never won a two hundred thousand dollar check. Um, not saying there's anything wrong with those that have, but what I'm saying is he's done it the hard way, and he's just a hard worker. Nobody works harder than Mike Giannini. So I shouldn't say nobody, but not very many. Uh, patience. Mike finds joy in the journey. Okay, Mike finds joy. Happiness is result reliant. If I win, I will be happy. I didn't. I didn't make that up. Okay, I I listened to a talk of Matthew McConaughey's, and I really really enjoyed it. So, and it helped me realize some things. That's why a lot of horse trainers turn into drunks, alcoholics. They cheat on their wives. They screw their lopers. Because pretty soon you get so wrapped up into thinking that if you're not winning you're nobody and the man's value has nothing to do with what he wins in life that has nothing to do with the man's value the man's value has something to do with with uh, 
very many other things. So find joy in the journey. And I love to ride horses. I love to just, I love to ride two-year-olds. I love to ride young horses. I love to finish them and show them, see where I'm at. And when I look back on all the horses and I thought about all the things, I thought maybe I'll tell you a little bit about some of my horses. The horses that saved me, the horses that helped me, the horses I learned the most from. The first horse I ever had was a little Shetland pony named Coco. And we were in church one day and a kid named Chuck Merrill said, we're going to sell our pony Coco. His dad was a veterinarian. And I think my dad bought it for... I don't even know, 100 bucks, 50 bucks, or something like that. He bought me this little brown Shetland pony, kind of a chocolate brown. Yeah, I think he had a white mane and tail. I was probably five. I was so proud of Coco. And I had a little old saddle that was actually a really nice saddle, and it was my grandmother's. Had a high, kind of a high cantle, deep seat, kind of punchy looking. And uh, I would ride my little pony around our pasture in the backyard. We had all oh, a couple acres there and uh, my grandfather my great grandfather Elgin Bridges had a lot of sheep well he sold off his big flock of sheep which was I don't even know how big his, his dad had sheep too and they always had you know 20 sheep or something in that little back lot and, and uh, we would just let them eat and then we'd always butcher a couple lambs every year and sell the rest because there was always sheep there and my dad and my grandpa and, and other people would go moving cows. And I wasn't quite big enough to go yet. You know, I was, but they wouldn't take me. And I wanted to be a cowboy, so I would get on my pony, Coco, and I would follow this herd of sheep around. And I would herd them, and I would pretend they were my cows, and that was what I did. Well, I decided one day that I needed to rope sheep. And I still remember the first rope I ever had. And uh, I loved that rope. And I, I took that rope and I decided I was going to rope sheep. So I chased them around, chased them around, chased them around. Obviously missed four billion times. And then one day I caught a sheep and I lost my rope because I didn't know how to dally or really didn't know anything about it. So I finally had to get my mom who I think was pregnant with my brother Chase at the time. She yelled at me, chewed me out. It was kind of funny. So she goes and grabs this this rope. And she's probably like literally six, seven months pregnant. And my mom grabs this rope and this sheep takes off. And there goes my mom flying through the air and dragging along on the ground behind this sheep. And finally the sheep chokes down to get the rope off. So then I'm looking for a place to hide because I know that my mom, being a pitchford and having the temper that she does, is going to beat me to death with this rope. So... Anyways, that's that. Well, a couple days later, I'm herding my little herd of cows around that are also known as sheep to the rest of the world. And uh, I decide I'm going to rope it again, but I can't get chewed out by my mom, so I'm going to tie this rope onto the saddle horn. I watched a couple of, I think my dad recorded the National Finals Rodeo or something on TV, and I watched it, and I watched the calf rope, and I decided that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to calf rope a sheep. And I noticed them guys' ropes were tied onto their saddle. Like I say, I was probably five or six. I, I think I was five. And so I tied my rope onto my saddle horn. And I go out there and I rope this sheep after, again, another. I was getting better. It only took me three million misses this time. And I finally caught this sheep. 
the sheep goes one way and the horse goes the other and it's kind of a drive-by shooting but i do get it on this sheep around the neck of this sheep and this pony runs the frick off now because he's got a sheep behind him and he darts off to the left and it clotheslines me and knocks me off of my horse and he drags the sheep around to the point that uh, he killed it drug the sheep to death and my dad's dad my grandpa phil hume was the nicest guy in the world if you hit him with a two by four, he'd be apologizing to you for being in the way of his swing. And nobody could upset Phil Hume except for me. And boy, did I piss him off. Well, long story short, a couple years later, I continued to chase and rope the sheep. And he'd given us all a sheep every, you know, to make a little money. And uh, when I was probably eight or nine years old, still chased the sheep around, still roped them. I've been cowboying by then a little bit with my grandpa Darwin Pitchford, but uh, my my grandpa Phil Hume was a great guy. He wasn't a cowboy, but he loved agriculture. But he wasn't a, a cowboy like my mom's dad. At the end of the year, he gives everybody their, I think, $120 or something for their lamb that was supposed to be theirs when it was sold, and he gives me half. He gives me 60 bucks. And he says, I took money off of you because you ran weight off of them sheep when you were chasing them around roping them. I took the $60, and I said, well, thank you, Grandpa. I said, and it's okay that you took some out. I said, we'll call it stock charge. He was speechless. Nailed him. It was worth it to me. Uh, the, we sold Coco. Actually, we swapped him off. Any better Laker remembers Bus Roberts. Bus Roberts was a horse trader of sorts. Swapped cattle, horses, and sheep, and whatever. He's traded livestock. We swapped old Coco off for a little brown mare named Molly. I loved this little brown mare. I mean, I loved her. And my grandmother had a little brown mare similar, and her name was Molly also, and, and uh, that's where we got the name. And so my grandmother gave me this brass-studded breast collar and this brass studded bridle with a little grazing bit and had a little rope and rein on it and it was had a little tie down set up in the middle of it and it was kind of very similar actually to what john wayne wrote on el dorado on the on the appaloosa so i you know then i was set up man i'm really going somewhere now you know and we would we would i got to start riding up in the mountains up home canyon and up the Ephraim valley with my grandpa and and uh, on molly well, I only had Molly for about a year, year and a half, and for some reason, my mom's got one brother, and he can be a good guy, but he can always be a freaking asshole inside of it all. And I don't care if Randy listens to this story or not. I don't really care. He can be a good guy, but something inside of him just makes him have this asshole jealous streak. And I'm kind of a call it what I is, what it is, so... Randy talks my dad, basically tells my dad, if that kid's going to be a hand, if he's really going to step up, you need to get rid of that little Molly pony, which she was mid-sized, I mean, probably 12 and a half, 13 hands, and really, really fat and stout, but pretty, you know, and he says, he can't ride that little thing, he needs a better horse, so they, they, they get rid of Molly, and they get me a horse named a, a big black mare, not a big black mare, but a black mare, she had a big white ball face, we called her Blaze. And that mare, you know, we, my dad did this on, on Randy's kind of instruction. And that blaze mare was a complete piece of shit. That mare 
she bucked me off and knocked me out one day, threw me into the barn wall as she ran by and bucked me off and, and uh, knocked me cold. My mom and sister thought I was dead. Um, go out to move cows on her. She'd rear and she'd prance and she'd dance around all the time and just was no fun to ride at all. She was very, actually kind of a dangerous horse. And here I was, an eight-year-old kid in the second grade, and I had to ride her because it was all we had. We didn't have a lot of horses, you know. So we ended up getting rid of her, and uh, my dad sold her to some people down the road for a pasture pet type of deal. And uh, they didn't ever ride her. They just had a pet to mow the yard in the backyard. Anyways, uh, then I started riding that, that horse that I referred to in an earlier podcast we called Seven. Uh, Sorrel Gildan. I rode him, and then uh, we had... Uh, my dad got a filly, and her name, I remember her registered name was Spicy Instinct, and she was by a running horse named Indian Instinct, and out of a mare named Spicy Beulah, and, uh, that's all I remember of, I don't know what Indian Instinct was, how he was bred, I don't remember what Spicy Beulah was, but I remember that's what that mare was, and my dad and my grandpa broke her, Sarl filly with the flax and mane, and, uh, oh, there was another mare we had, too, that I rode quite a little, and we called her Smokey, and, uh, she was a, I don't even know why she was called Smokey, because she was a brown mare, and supposedly a cutting horse of some sort, I didn't know anything about that, but I rode her quite a bit, those are a handful of horses we had growing up, and then that, it was kind of funny, because I talked about my grandpa dying in an early podcast when I was 11 in the sixth grade, and then, like, I was kind of depressed over that. And then, oh, probably three or four weeks, three weeks after my grandpa died, my dad and John Openshaw are elk hunting. And, and uh, they bring they come home early because this spicy mare that was four by that time, we had two horses, she colicked. And it was the first time I'd ever seen or heard a colic. And she died. There's nothing anybody could do. She just had a twisted gut. She died. So I was pretty sad over that. And I remember thinking, gosh, damn it. Why does things have to die that you love? And so we had one horse. I continued to ride the one horse. And then when I was in about December or January, I guess it was, of my sixth grade year, my dad bought me a real live rope horse. He was a 20-year-old gildan. We called him Rhythm. Bought him from Jim Bullen in Logan, Utah. And my dad gave $900 for him. And our hope was that that horse would teach me how to rope, how to be a good roper for about, we thought if we could get a year out of him, two years, that would really help me. Well, I roped on that horse for three years. One checks on him, one my first buckle on him. Uh, he was a good horse. And my brothers learned to rope on him, and that horse lasted to be like 26 or 7 years old and was still sound and still chugging along, and I think he got kicked or something in the pasture, and we had to put him down, broke a leg or something. But anyways, uh, he served his purpose. And uh, then we, you know, we got other horses, and time went on, and I had a sorrel head horse named Senator we got from Doug Broadhead in Afton, Wyoming, and and he was a pretty good horse, but he wasn't real fast. So my dad done some swapping and trading and got a little money. And we got me a really nice head horse named Spike. And Spike was the one that changed my life. Spike was the one that 
was the real deal. D. Pickett told my dad one time that kid's really well mounted. He said he's riding one of the best horses in the state. Uh, I want a lot on Spike. A lot. That horse could score, he could run, and he could flat out lick his butt and face. Um, you know, of course, I, I had the other horse that had the cut leg I talked about earlier named Winky that I, I won a lot on. And, and uh, anyways, but the horse has definitely always been there for me. The horse is, has, uh, you know, done a lot for me. And uh, I, I really, really have enjoyed all the horses I've had in my life. Even the bad ones, because I learned what I didn't like, and I learned what I liked. And so, um, oh, anyways, uh, I don't know, uh, what to really tell you other than, I think if you want your kids to have a good work ethic, I think if you want your kids to have a good relationship with you and and have something to do together I think that you could get them a horse get them a good horse and down the road they're just going to be better for it you know there's been a lot of times that me and my dad and my brothers haven't really got along but one thing we could all do to this very day is we could step in the pan and we could rope a bunch of steers we'd all get along we might not even have to say nothing we could just rope and and enjoy each other's company as, as ropers and the horse the horse has bonded my family together uh what me and my wife do a lot of people say to me how'd you get your kids into horses i'm like it's just what we do it's just it's just how we how we live it's just what we do and my kids really didn't have a choice from the time they're big enough to kind of do anything at all we get we start giving them chores and it's all horse related and a lot of times it's 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 not even necessarily because you want to it's because you have to when we go out to gather cows or we go to do a job we I, I need everybody all hands on deck i mean everybody's got to ride everybody's got to you know everybody in the family has to get on a horse and turn back for me when i train cutting horses everybody's got a lope everybody's got to work horses everybody has to be a part of it when we sell them so it's it's just necessities the mother of all inventions so when people say how do you get your kids into horses keep in mind that it, it's all we do you don't have a choice if you get up and you say dad i don't want to water i don't want to feed i don't want to clean stalls um probably can get you an ass whipping and you're gonna have to do it anyway so you just go do it and then of course it's it's, it's maybe it's genetic i don't know um maybe it's you know some people seem to like things that their parents like some people are into race cars you know and, and for multi-generations all these people can see a car and understand how it works and fix it so that's what we do we're into horses um all my kids have their own horses they all have their own saddles we do not make them share because they won't become good hands only get to ride once in a while it's a price that we pay we don't have boats we don't have rvs we don't go on vacations we don't we just work and it's actually kind of hard when we all have to take off and go to a horse show or a sale or something be gone for days at a time it's kind of hard because you got to get somebody else to do your chores and there's 
you know, 50, 60 horses around there, and we can kind of turn the cows out to the pasture. But a lot of them horses got to stay in stalls and got to be cared for, and so it's it's hard. It's it's not fun all the time. Horses are nothing but work, but it will sculpt your children into being good people because they're going to learn how to work. Even if they get out of school and they graduate and go to college and say, I never want to have nothing to do with a horse again. If they have to take care of an animal. You know, people say to me all the time, how do I teach my kids to work like yours? And my kids are hard workers and I'm proud of them for it. I don't know how to raise a kid without livestock. I just, I just don't. Um, it's something that... Uh, I can't describe when we lived in Idaho and it was 20 below and we just got a big blizzard and there was three foot of snow outside. You didn't sit in the house. You went outside and you tended to your animals. When it's 100 degrees and them horses will drink their water buckets dry, you've got to go out there and water them sometimes several times a day. It's just what you do. you got to clean stalls all the time. you got to take care of them. They get sick. We've had horses that have colicked and you've been up with them all night long and then the next day you got to go to work because the rest of the horses need cared for. So, like I say, the horse is, is such a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I believe that God put cattle on the earth so that there was a job for the horse to do. That's what I believe. But uh, just a few little you know, stories about the horses that I had growing up. None of them were special. None of them were fancy. Spike was special. Spike was that good. But, uh, you know, none of them were so wonderful. None of them horses cost $80,000. Um, they were just what I grew up on. And so, uh, you know, if you want your kids to get into that you need to be a good parent and sacrifice do it for the future anyways I've got to get back to work so I just thought I'd do that little deal I don't know if any of you got anything out of this or not but uh, I've got to go to work kind of not raining anymore it's time to work horses so from somewhere on the plains of texas here i am wishing all you enjoyment with your horses find joy with the horse have a good one